Welcome to the weekly podcast from Harvest Ridge Church in North Ridgeville, Ohio. Our heart's desire is that you would grow in your love and devotion to Jesus Christ and that these messages will strengthen your daily walk. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at www.harvestridge.net. What a joy it is to be here today. Thank you so much for having us. We have uh, really enjoyed our time here. What a beautiful church and beautiful people. Of course, I can't see you. The lights are very bright up here, so you're all very beautiful. <laughs> I am Bill Schrader, and uh, we are your missionaries to Peru. Uh, and I'm here with uh, my wife, Lena. And uh, you'll meet my daughter, Abby, in just a little bit. So I want to give it off to Lena to say hi. Hello, everyone. Good morning. We are your missionaries in Peru. I bring greetings from the Church of the Asambleas de Dios de Peru and from our home church that we pastor called Iglesia uh, Centro, de Cristi oh, gosh. So Centro de Crecimiento Familiar. It's really hard to go between languages, people. <laughs> Iglesia Centro de Crecimiento Familiar. We did not name the church. <laughs> <laughs> it means um, Center for Family Growth, and it really has been a growing time for us. These last five years have been incredible, um, a time of, of uh, a lot of fruitful work for the Lord. We've been in a lot of university campuses bringing the gospel. We brought university students, American university students, onto those campuses where they shared their testimony in English. We use English as a door, to, uh, as a way to get open doors on the university campuses in Peru. And um, it's been a great ride, and we'd love to talk to you more about that. But for right now, I'm going to hand the mic back off to my husband. But thank you so much for sending us. We couldn't do it without you. Amen. Thanks. We also have uh, some other family members here. And so in the back, you're going to see two beautiful ladies that look like my wife. And uh, that is Marie and Gina. And our friend Keith is uh, here today, too, visiting with us. So you'll want to... You'll want to greet them. Okay, I want to tell you what we do and where we live so that you'll come and work with us. We live in Peru, and the most famous landmark of Peru is Machu Picchu, which is in the last place that the Incas escaped to when the Spanish conquered Peru. And they hid out there for a long time, a very beautiful installation. It used to be roofs on those houses. But um, it's a super pretty area way up in the Andes Mountains, which is the second highest mountain range in the world. Um, but Peru also has the Pacific Coast. That's where we live in the city of Lima. There's 11 million people in Lima. So our one city has a population equal to the entire population of Ohio. And um, <clears throat> uh, there are in our city 240,000 taxis. And people always say, is it dangerous in Peru? And the answer is yes. And they're like, is it because you're going to be eaten by an anaconda? I'm like, no, but you will be driven over by a taxi on your way to the anaconda. <laughs> and that's not, that's really not a joke. It's very true. This is my family there. My, uh, my daughter and son-in-law, Anthony, are the romantic couple on the end. And uh, Hannah is an associate pastor in Dayton, Ohio. And uh, on the other end is my son, Colton, and he is a missionary uh, to Latin America as well. He just got back from Belize uh, last week. 
And then uh, Will is a student at Kent State, and Abigail, who you guys are going to meet a little bit later, and then me and Lena. Let's go to the next slide. In Christmas of 2003, a friend of ours stopped by our house and gave us two Christmas gifts. They were alpaca sweaters from Peru. Now, an alpaca is a type of llama. And she then explained to us that 10 years prior, in 1993, she went to Cusco on a missions trip, and while she was there, the Holy Spirit spoke to her. And he told her to buy the two sweaters and then to wait, and he would tell her who to give them to and when. And she waited 10 years. I'm really glad that she bought the sweaters because I am really cheap, so I would have just bought two scarves. You know, and then after about five years, I would have given up and they would have been in the goodwill you know, and then somebody else would have been just called to a short-term missions trip, <laughs> you know, because I was too cheap. So she gave us the two sweaters, and she said, there's a message from God in these sweaters. And I said, well, what is it? She said, well, that's for you to find out. I like to pause here and say, never trust a prophet who does your homework for you. And I mean it. I mean it. Uh, you know, people will come up and say, well, this prophet said that I'm supposed to marry so-and-so, but so-and-so is already married. You know, I'm like, well, you're probably supposed to kill the other person. I don't, you know, just wait. They're going to die. I know, it's just, you know. Okay, they're not, they're just maimed, maybe. They're not, dying is too dark. Um, You need to test those words. I really believe in prophecy. I mean, I really believe in prophecy. But I also believe that every Christian is responsible to get a word from the Lord. You see, if you don't have a word from the Lord, when the going gets tough, you won't stand. You can't stand because you said that some prophet told me to go here. When you go and the going gets tough, and the going will get tough because we live in the world and there are battles to be fought and challenges to be overcome. The going will get tough. If you, by the way, came here thinking this was a church that was going to tell you there, will no more be there won't be any more battles, you went to the wrong church. You say, we're about, we're about training up mature adults here, you know. So I took the sweater, and I went up to my bedroom. And I laid it out on the bed, and I knelt at the bed with my forehead on the sweater and my hands on each side, and I screamed, God, what's the message? I'm a big believer in praying out loud when you can. If you're on a plane, then just pray quietly unless the plane's going down. <laughs> and I was on a plane going down two years ago, and uh, it was the scariest thing ever. Scariest thing. That, and they literally said, we're going down. And uh, the stewardesses go through this routine where they uh, yell in unison, um, Take the position. Take the position. Prepare for impact. Prepare for impact. And I'm like, could you make it any scarier? <laughs> so, I, so I started praying, and uh, the person across the aisle looks at me and goes, you know, you can do that out loud. So I was praying out loud, and then I went into tongues. For those that don't know what tongues is, you'll know when the plane's going down. You just pray the language that God gives you in that moment, and you do it in desperation. And so uh, I just prayed out loud. And uh, 
We landed safely, and the guy next to me was like, thank you. <laughs> Sometimes, people have needs, and they desperately need someone else to carry that burden and to not be afraid to go to the Lord and to cry out for help without a false presentation of your worth. When the plane's going down, you don't try to justify to the Lord why he ought to save you. You just go, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. You know what I mean? So I cried out. In the bedroom, I said, God, what's the message? And over and over and over again, through prophetic encounters, he confirmed that we were called to go to Peru as missionaries. And I'm glad he confirmed it, because if you're going to pick up your wife and your kids and move to the other side of the planet, you have to have some confidence that that's what the Lord wants you to do. And I remember people at the time we left, they had just finished a long period of terrorism, and people would say to us, God's going to protect you. You're called by God, so no harm is going to come to you. And I would say, what Bible are you reading? Because the apostles were all killed for their faith. And Paul was whipped and shipwrecked, and I'm sure he had diarrhea. I am sure of it, and I won't tell you why, but I'm sure of it. You see, our promise is to be victorious in the end. We will raise with him. I have no doubts about the eventual victory. And I am prepared for whatever may come between now and then. Amen? The Lord confirmed our call to Peru, and I want to tell you, it's been awesome. It's been the best thing I ever could have wished for. And I want to thank you because you sent us and you made it possible. People have gotten saved. People have been discipled. People have been prayed for and embraced and wept with. People have experienced Jesus because of you. Let's go to the next slide. By the way, the two sweaters are on the table in the back, and I invite you to go back and feel how soft and beautiful they are, and then to allow the Holy Spirit to call you to come and work with us. So this is pictures of Peru. We've got three big regions. We have the Andes Mountains, which are so beautiful, snow-capped, and uh, lovely, and uh, Machu Picchu is up in those mountains. We also have the Amazon River and the Amazon Rainforest, where you can be, uh, you know, um, eaten by an anaconda, if you're into that. There is, uh, um, uh, I don't usually share this, but I want you guys to have the, uh, you know, full information. Uh, you know, people are like, you know, are you afraid of being eaten by a piranha in the, in the river? And I'm like, no, because the piranha is not the scary fish in the Amazon River. Are you ready for this? There's a fish in the Amazon River that if you pee in the river, it will swim up your urine stream and make its home in your bladder where it will begin to eat you from the inside out. That's frightening. I don't even, the whole time, we've been, we were in, our last term was five years. I didn't pee once. <laughs> we also have the desert. We'll go to the next slide. 
We live in Lima, as I said, a city of uh, 10 million people, which is right on the Pacific coast. So people always say, well, Peru is a tropical country, so it's really hot there. And I say it is everywhere in Peru except in Lima, where it's cold. And uh, so um, the weather uh, we've been having lately, the sunny weather, no, skip that. Go with that overcast gray stuff. And uh, that's what Lima's like six months out of the year. But the other six months, it's, it's beautiful. We love it. Next slide. We do a ministry called Child Hope. Uh, we used to be called Latin America Child Care. And I know that a number of people in this church are on our team with us. Uh, for $36 a month, you can sponsor a child in extreme poverty to attend a uh, private assembly of God's school where we uh, have feeding programs, clean water programs, and other uh, works of compassion. And our motto is transforming communities with the gospel, education, and compassion. My goal is that a child will not just get an education, because if you get an education, you can get a job. But if you're not saved, whatever you may earn will be lost in the end. But if you get saved and you don't have an education and you live in poverty your whole life, that's not the Lord's will. That is not the Lord's will. I say all the time, uh, um, John 10, 10, I have come that you may have life in that more abundantly. Amen? And so I want these kids to have a good life, working hard, knowing Jesus, becoming missionaries themselves, transforming the world, and then going on to glory. Amen? Hallelujah. You can see on the picture on the, um, the uh, far right that uh, during COVID period, uh, we had to get creative, and so our teachers were going house to house to do homework with the kids. We care about these kids. Let's go to the next slide. You can see pictures there of, uh, of uh, our children eating the food that you guys have purchased. And for a lot of these kids, that's the only full meal they get during the day. We also uh, uh, have other things like a Christmas program where we give them Christmas gifts, and that's the only present they get all year. Um, our next slide will show that we do university ministry. I did uh, Chi Alpha. Uh, for 25 years here in Ohio, and we do Chi Alpha in uh, Peru as well. But I'm not the point person there. It's actually Lena who is the point person. And um, in Peru, you have to pass an English proficiency exam in order to graduate from the university. And I'm here to tell you that when people have a need, like our, our children in the jungle are hungry. So they want to come to our schools because we feed them, right? And, and the young adults in the university, they want to come to Lena's Bible study because it's in English. And she helps them with their pronunciation and understanding. And we always make it clear, you don't have to believe what we believe at all. You don't have to accept our faith for, by, for any means. No, we are your friend. We're here to love you. But we're going to read the words of Jesus. And if he speaks to you, you know, what do we all know? The Word of God never returns void. And they're like, we love it because, well, people in Peru are open. It is not like the United States. People in Peru are not ready to fight with you for any and every reason. And uh, you can talk to somebody who is a pagan or an atheist and tell them that, that you're a born-again Christian and you've experienced miracles in your life, and they'll say, wow, tell me about it, because they're open. The harvest is plentiful. Thank you for sending us 
to be harvesters. You are harvesters when you participate in the missions giving of this church. We'll go to the next slide. You can see how we uh, burn hamburgers for their enjoyment. (laughs) And no matter how many times I say, this time we're not going to burn them, we do. And uh, you can see a picture of my beautiful wife talking with uh, students who are learning English and sharing the love of Jesus with them. And a very attractive picture of me leading worship in our house. We love to have the kids over. Before COVID, we had them over once a month for a cookout, and uh, we would have a worship service in our living room. And we sometimes have 80 there. And uh, that's a really packed living room. And uh, other times we might just have 20. It depends. You never know who's going to show up. But uh, I, I can tell you right now that more than half of them who come, no matter how many come, more than half who come have never set foot in a church in their entire life and have never heard the gospel. It's pretty incredible, isn't it? It's an open door. Let's go to the next slide. And we pastor a church, as Lena explained, and we have a beautiful picture of Esther being baptized. I want to invite those who've not been baptized. You need to do it. If Jesus is your Lord, then obey him and take this step. And uh, I know it's frightening because it's like signing the marriage contract. You know, if you do it, you're in. You're not just a visitor. You're a family member and you got to work. I'm here to tell you it's, it's good. Let's take a look at this verse. Next slide in, in uh, Romans chapter 10. I love this chapter. You're looking at a picture there of a shaman or a witch doctor, and he is a real Peruvian. He's the real deal. They are very, very proud of their pagan heritage, and they worship Mother Earth. Mother Earth's name is Pachamama, and I like to say Mother Earth is Nacho Mama. (laughs) And uh, he might be Catholic because people in Peru are told, if you're asked what you are, tell them you're Catholic. But he may never go to church. Are you hearing me? But he knows how to go to the mountains and offer sacrifices to Mother Earth. And how to pray prayers of healing or ask for needs. You see, people everywhere, including in the United States, have real needs. And they are grasping at straws to find out a real solution. But I want to let you know, you can pray to the mountain a million times and it will not answer you because it doesn't breathe and it doesn't speak. If you want a real answer, you need to go to the real God. Romans 10 says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? I want to thank you for sending us. And if you're a part of missions giving in this church, thank you for sacrificing your, your pleasure so that we can do the work of the Lord. And when you get to heaven, you're going to have a little llama gem in your crown. But if you don't give to missions, you might get to heaven still 
because we're all saved by grace, but you're going to have an empty llama spot on your crown, and that'll be embarrassing. <laughs> we don't want that. Today, I want to talk about what it means to be a Christian, how you become a Christian, but then what's your responsibility after you become a Christian? What is the responsibility of the person who breaks out of those baptismal waters? And I'm here to tell you, your responsibility is to follow Jesus, to join the family business, which is to become a fisher of men and women. But there's also a cost. And you will be called upon to forsake that which you care about. You might have to forsake your business. You might have to forsake your family. You might have to forsake your fav favorite snacks. I'm here to tell you as one who's been overseas for many, many years, eventually you find favorite snacks in your other country. And the Lord is faithful to provide you with delicious corn chips, which is my favorite snack in Peru. The title is Follow, Fish, and Forsake. Why don't you say that with me? Follow, Fish, and Forsake. Why don't we go two slides over? There. The first couple of steps, though, is you have to become a Christian, and that's to repent and believe. The Gospel of Mark was most likely the first gospel written, and this is the first chapter. And Mark is introducing really quickly Jesus in his ministry. Mark is the gospel that does not mess around. It's the shortest of the four gospels, and uh, he. Uh, what, this is part of the reason why we believe that it was the first one written, is that um, his stories are short, quick, and kind of naked. Mark didn't, didn't have to throw in a lot of John's flowery, beautifully flowery language. Mark just laid it out. And so in Mark chapter 1, he says, after John, this is John the Baptist, was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. I want to stop there and I want to ask you guys to say the good news. Let's say it all together really loud. The good news. The gospel of Jesus Christ is good news. In the United States, a lot of people have started to think that it's not that good because maybe you were rejected when someone found out that you were a Christian and they don't like the limitations that are on your life. And I'm here to tell you, limitations are a part of natural life. You cannot live without limitations. A river does not give life when it goes over the banks, then it destroys communities. And I don't know what limitations might be threatening you, but there are always limitations. There are always limitations. Those of us that have children understand the beauty of limitations. No, you will go to bed because I need to be happy. The gospel is good news to those who are perishing. My sister and I, before we got saved, struggled uh, with drugs. 
And um, her life was a mess. Mine was too, but we're going to talk about her. <laughs> and uh, she was working at Bob Evans. And uh, another waitress at Bob Evans uh, could see the distress on her face. And uh, she said, what's wrong? And my sister said, uh, my life has completely fallen apart. And I don't have any hope. And so the waitress uh, took my sister through a one-year apologetics course so she could understand the four, four classic reasons for why God exists. That's not true. You see, when people have needs, you don't have to waste a lot of time trying to win them over. The waitress looked at my sister and said, Honey, you need Jesus. And my sister fell on her knees in the, the, the kitchen of Bob Evans with its greasy floor and raised her hands in the air. You see, when people have real needs, they raise their hands up to God. Comfortable people worship like this. <laughs> no, it's a joke, okay? I often worship with my hands in my pockets because, you know, like, what do you do with them? But... Uh, my sister fell on her knees, threw her hands in the air, and said, yes, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. When you've got a real need, when you're drowning in the ocean, and the Coast Guard throws that ring with the rope on it, you don't need an explanation for what the ring is and why you need it. You grab it, and you're happy. To those who are perishing, the gospel is good news. Don't be afraid to share it. Maybe that person at work doesn't need it today, but a day is coming when that message will be good news. Verse 15, Jesus proclaimed, the time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And the kingdom of God means... We're in the Western. The town has been taken over by the bad guys. This is like the Magnificent Seven or any Clint Eastwood movie. The town's been taken over by bad guys, and we desperately need a gunslinger who can really shoot, who's going to ride in on a horse, get rid of these bad guys, and restore justice. Are you with me? I have good news for you. Jesus is coming back. And he's our gunslinger. Right? Amen. You can applaud that. I love it when people applaud when I'm preaching because I say to myself, that was a good point. <laughs> Here's the bad news. Some of y'all are the bad guys. And that's why you have to repent and believe. Are you hearing me? The sheriff is coming back, and he will restore justice, and we can finally live in peace. But if you're the bad guy, it's going to be difficult. And so today, I'm here to tell you, don't be the bad guy. Repent and believe. Be the one who embraces the sheriff when he arrives, and then you can rejoice with him that justice will be restored.
Hallelujah. Let's just pause for a minute. Holy Spirit, I pray you'd speak to us right now that none of us would be caught by surprise when Jesus comes back. Give us the faith to repent and to believe. Hallelujah. Mark continues. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. So Jesus walked up to two disciples, to Simon and Andrew, and he said, follow me. I'm here to tell you that Jesus is not looking for fans. He's looking for followers. There's a lot of fans out there, a lot. But there aren't that many followers. People think, well, if I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is the Jewish Messiah, that was prophesied in the Old Testament, and we know who he is because he fulfilled those hundreds of prophecies. If I believe that, then that's enough. And I'm here to tell you, I know it'll be shocking, but the devil believes it 100%. So much so that he was actually in some of those stories and was a first-person witness. He has no doubts. The problem isn't knowing who Jesus is. The problem is walking with Jesus. There's a lot of fans who in their hearts are rebels. They applaud, but they don't follow. Jesus said, to Peter and Andrew, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. I love the old translation, I will make you fishers of men. I love that, because I, I want to be made. I don't, I don't want to just be taught how to fish. I want to be made a fisherman, like one of those guys from New England with the rubber, the yellow rubber jacket, you know. The winds and waves are crashing. And I'm, I want to bring in a big haul for Jesus. I want my net to be right at the place where it's going to break. The problem with it is that I love my net. It's so pretty, and I want to care for my net. But if you're going to follow Jesus, you have to leave the net behind. And at once, Peter and Andrew left their net. The net was the tool they used to make money, to feed their families. Leaving the net behind was leaving behind their security. It literally was a security net. You see, when you follow Jesus, there are things you have to forsake, and one of them is the need for security. And that's threatening. Depends on whether or not Jesus is trustworthy. Is he trustworthy? I love that nobody answered. Uh. 
Verse 19 continues. And when he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets without delay. Say it with me. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father, Zebedee, in the boat with the hired men and followed him. We always like to think that the apostles were like really, really poor. And it's very possible that, that Peter and Andrew were, because Peter and Andrew were casting their nets from the shore. But James and John actually owned boats and had hired men. So they were probably uh, middle class in this society. Now, it wasn't a very rich society, you know, so. Uh, but it wasn't nothing. You see, it's easier to follow Jesus when you don't have anything. Poor people come to faith a hundred times more quickly than rich people do. Because when Jesus says, I want you to forsake it all and follow me, they're like, well, all I've got is like this red solo cup. <laughs> and some Adebus tennis shoes that I got at Walmart. That's our big joke in Peru. We always tell everybody, hey, look, if you need tennis shoes, they're really cheap here. The brand Adebus is very popular. <laughs> James and John left their boats. They left their nets. They left their hired men. But they also left their father. And I picked this picture that you see because it's a grandpa and his son and his grandson. And when we left for Peru, we took our kids with us. And uh, Gina and Marie can uh, come up here now, take the microphone, and explain that when a family gets called into missions, it comes at a cost to everybody. Try telling your parents you're going to take their grandchildren, their only grandchildren, and take them to the other side of the planet. Unless they get a prophecy from God, it is a difficult thing to share. I didn't tell my parents for like six months. We were already raising our budget to leave and my parents didn't know. And I went to tell them one day. I don't usually share this story, but I want, I want Jean and Marie to hear it. Um, my, I was, my mom was um, the, sometimes the most terrifying person on the planet. She was a wo woman of extreme power. I was like, she was like made in the Barbara Stanwyck mold, right? You know what I mean? Like she could run a ranch. She looked really gorgeous, but you didn't mess with her, you know? For everybody who's not 60 years old, Barbara Stanwyck was a very attractive but strong actress. And so uh, my in-laws were visiting us down in Cincinnati and uh, my mom called and said, I need you to go and pick up this chair I bought at the furniture store and bring it to my house in your van. I said, okay. And so I went and uh, the Holy Spirit had already spoken to me and said, uh, chicken, chicken, bark, 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 You need to go tell your parents. And so I said, okay. And so uh, I got up and I left and my father-in-law, Sam, who, who uh, is not with us anymore, he said, where are you going? And I said, uh, I said I'm going to go pick this chair up at the furniture store and take it to my mom. And he goes, oh, well, I'll go with you. And I said, well, you're really going to want to rethink that, Sam. 
because I'm going to tell her about Peru. And he goes, oh, I'll go with you. So we went and we picked up the chair. And I walked in. And as we got there, we were unloading the van. And my brother-in-law, who is a believer, rolled up on a bicycle. I don't know how he got, it was the only time in his life I've ever seen him ride a bike, but he pulled up on a bike. And I said, did you come to help us unload the chair? And he goes, no, I was just out riding and just landed here. I said, oh, well, you're going to want to leave <laughs> because I'm going to tell mom and dad about Peru. And he goes, oh, I'll stick around. So I walked in and it was like, you know, let's go back to the gunslinger movie, right? Like, you know, here I am, the guy who's supposed to, you know, the, the scared guy who's now going to stand up, you know, to the to the, sheriff, the, 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 the corrupt sheriff. You know, my mom was not a corrupt sheriff, but just as threatening. And, uh, you know, and then I got these two guys flanking me, you know, goodness and faithfulness will be with, walk with me all the days of my life. So I told my parents. And uh, normally my mom's modus operandi at that point in time would be to explode like an atomic bomb and uh, start a, the kind of fight that you, you, you would have been lucky if you could have walked out of the house. But unfortunately, there were two witnesses there. Now, she was not afraid of my brother-in-law, but my father-in-law was another issue. There was some social, I don't want to be ashamed in front of him, you know what I mean? And she, she was just dumbfounded and silent. And she, she looked at my father-in-law and she said, Sam, what do you think of this? My father-in-law was a believing Catholic. And um, he goes, June, I don't like it at all. I hate it. I don't want to lose my grandkids. But if Jesus spoke to them, I don't want to stand in the way. I am telling you, the Lord is calling you to be prophets. And Jesus told you, you don't even have to worry about what you're going to say when you stand before the judge because the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say. And he shut my mother's mouth up the way he shut up the mouths of the lions in Daniel's lion den. And I stood there thinking, wow, that went way better than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> and we left, and I had a nervous breakdown. But, this, but the word was told. James and John, without delay, got up and left Zebedee in the boat. Here is my word to you this morning. Jesus is calling you to follow him. Not just me, you. He is not in need of fans. If he wants someone to applaud, he will make the rocks cry out. He's looking for a team. A team. People who want to take up his mission and do the family business, which is fishing for men and women and throwing a life raft to people in need. 
Those of you who support missions in this church are helping me to feed children in the Amazon. And they're helping Lena to teach university students who don't know the Lord what Jesus said. So the word can get into them like a seed in the soil, like in this, the sermon of the four soils. Amen? Without delay. If you're waiting for the Holy Spirit to give you a divine anointing to obey Him, if you've been in the church for years and you're not baptized yet, see, the problem is not the anointing. The problem is you. You need to man up. Man up and do what's right and obey. And I'm here to tell you, there is a great joy, not only in heaven, but also on earth. In the Gospel of Matthew, following the story of the rich young ruler, and we all know that story, right? Jesus says to the guy, well, wait, wait, I'm sorry, what was his name? Oh, you don't know, do you? You see, he was a ruler. He was famous. I love when my kids brag about superstars right now, right? When they brag about superstars, people who are the biggest performers in, of all time, and they're world famous, and I can say to them, yeah, you mean like Keith Richards? Do you know who he is? Yeah, he's the guitar player for the Rolling Stones. And when I was your age, he was world famous. But now, three quarters of the world don't have a clue who he is. And they couldn't tell you what songs he wrote. You see, fame is horribly fleeting. We don't know who he was because the rich young ruler didn't do anything valiant in his life in order to be remembered. He was obsessed with being good, but he wasn't willing to forsake the valuable things he held on to in order to be great. And so Peter says to Jesus, we've left everything for you. Oh, wait, do we know Peter's name? Of course we do. Who else was in that little group? Oh, James, John, Andrew, Matthew, Bartholomew, even though we have no idea what he did, but he was there. Fourteen women named Mary. They were Latinos. We know their names. We know the name of Mary Magdalene, out of whom was cast seven demons. We know her name. Because she followed him, and she fished with him, and she forsook all the things that were behind her. And now we know her name. 
Today I'm calling you to come with me as I follow Jesus. The apostle Paul said, imitate me as I imitate him. Let's go together. And you might say, I'm afraid of the water. You might say, I don't like to fish. And if you're honest, and I'm honest, you might say, as I would, I really don't like getting up that early in the morning. You know, fishermen get up early. I'm like, you know, I'm the afternoon fisherman guy. And that's why I don't catch anything. There are sacrifices that have to be made. But Jesus said to Peter and to James and to John and to Bartholomew and to Andrew and to the two Judases and to Mary Magdalene and to Mary, the mother of James and John, and to Salome, who was also there, another woman who worked to support them so they could go fishing. He said to them, those of you who have given up houses and families, your incomes, your reputation, your favorite snack for me will not fail to receive a hundred times more in this life and even more in the life to come. You see, the following, the fishing, and the forsaking entirely depend on the reliability of the one who calls. And I am here to tell you, he who calls is faithful. Abigail, come on up. At this point in the message, I want to give you a chance to repent and believe. Now, I realize you might be a deacon in the church, and you're thinking, if I repent, they'll all recognize what a hypocrite I've been all these years. And my word to you is, yeah, but think about how powerful it'll be afterwards. I appreciate it, Matt. Those of us who are worried about our reputations don't get to eat the sweetest fruits at the table of our Lord. If you're worried about your reputation, you might end up like the rich young ruler. I want to invite you to repent and to believe. And what are you believing? I want you to believe that the prophecies are true, that Jesus is the Messiah, and that he's as good as the Bible says. And that when he calls you to follow and to go fishing, there's some risk in it, and you're going to have to forsake to do it. But there's a blessing in it, and you won't regret it. So, to the guitar player of the church, I want to confess that all of your picks have now fallen on the stage. Let's just pause. I want you to bow your heads.
If this message is speaking to you right now, and you're feeling the challenge, the challenge of, of forsaking that thing of value, and you want some help to give it over to Jesus, I want you to raise your hand. I want you to raise your hand. I want you to imagine that thing in that hand and give it over to Jesus. Lord God, I see that hand. Thank you so much. Are there others? Are there others? I see those hands. Thank you. Lord Jesus, pour out the Holy Spirit and take what's in those hands. Take what's in those hands right now, Lord God, and bless these individuals. Hallelujah. May the Holy Spirit flow in you right now and take it from you and give you something beautiful in return for your sacrifice. Because the Lord never, ever ignores a good sacrifice. Hallelujah. I want to introduce you all to my daughter, Abigail. We're going to sing a song for you. It's called, I Lift Up My Hands, and it's a song of sacrifice. Sometimes as little kids, we come to our parents and we say, pick me up, pick me up. If you're at a place where you need Jesus to pick you up, I invite you to lift up your hands. But if you're the bad guy in the Western, I invite you to lift up your hands and say, I surrender. Amen? Because if you're doing that for Jesus, they're both right and they're both good. And those that raise their hands get embraced by the Lord. So we're going to sing the song, and Abby's going to lead us in Spanish, and everybody who took a year in Spanish is going to sing with us. And then we're going to sing it in English for the rest of you. Cuando levanto mis manos 
Let's all stand together. I want to invite you to lift up your hands in sacrifice and surrender. I lift up my hands Even though I have no strength I lift up my hands I lift up my hands Even with a million problems even with a million problems let's do it again i lift up my hands oh even though i have no strength i lift up my hands even with the million problems my hands but when I lift up my hands oh, I begin to feel an anointing that makes me sing when I lift up my hands oh, I begin to feel the fire Um, so I would like to end um, by praying over our missionaries. Um, if you guys would join in prayer um, over them with me. So, Jesus, um, I thank you for the call that you have placed on the stranger's life. Lord, I pray that you would protect them, that you would keep them safe, um, that you would go and empower them with whatever they need, that your Holy Spirit would anoint them, um, whatever gifts they need to succeed in your ministry, uh, whatever patience, whatever kindness, whatever obedience they need, Lord, I pray that you would give it to them, that you would empower them, um, and that there would be fruit in this world because of the ministry that they have given. Lord, I pray that you would be with them, that you would bless them, and that you would keep them safe. Lord, we thank you and we love you. In your name we pray. 
Amen. Amen. Let's give it up for the Schraders.